The Miami Voice is not a ministry of Calvary Chapel, North Miami, and the views from guests on the show may not necessarily align with my personal views or the biblical lifestyle views of Calvary Chapel, North Miami and Calvary Chapel, Fort Lauderdale. Hey fam, welcome to Miami Voice Season 2. The Miami Voice is a podcast looking to raise the volume of what's really going on in our community for the sake of greater unity. We're going to focus this season on mentorship, why we need it, why it's important, and why our at-risk youth are not getting it. Or are they? So, saddle up, family. We're going to get deep, real deep, into the raw truth as to what's going on with our youth and mentorship and why we believe every youth needs a mentor. Let's go. All right, fam, welcome back to season two of the Miami Voice. And as promised, I am delivering to you uh, my very first mentor. Now, you guys, if you listen to episode one and if you haven't done so, I would implore you to go back and do that now uh, before you listen to this episode, because it'll bring context as to what you're getting ready to hear. Uh, and trust me when I tell you what you're getting ready to hear uh, may change your life because it indeed changed my life and my brother's life. Uh, and so I shared about a man uh, who became like an uncle to me. Uh, I call him Uncle Corey. Uh, now, he was not my true blood uncle, but because of the relationship and the extent of our relationship, uh, it just grew into something so special and significant. Uh, and so I have him on the show. And again, now I'm 30. I'll be 39 in March. Uh, I've known Corey for 25 years. I think I was 13 when I met Corey uh, and I used to go work out in his backyard. I mean, this man essentially adopted me as if I was his own. Uh, and again, if you listen to episode one, you'll understand the just the significance of the relationship that we had. But as a 13 year old kid, you know, a, a urban youth coming from a broken home, I would have been considered an at risk youth um, and could have easily fallen into the school to prison pipeline. And Corey uh, and Bobby, who is deceased, rest in peace, coach Bobby, love you, man. But Corey uh, basically kept me and my brother out of gangs, out of drug dealing, out of drug use. And even though, you know, as kids, you kind of tiptoe into that stuff a little bit. But I always knew uh, that we had a foundation, a firm foundation to fall on because of what Corey and Bobby instilled uh, into me and my brother. So uh, without further ado, here he is. My promise to you, uh, I have Corey Gardner on the phone. He's called in from North, cold North Carolina, by the way. Uh, Corey, what's going on, Unc? What's happening with your soup? <laughs> now, okay, so there it is right there. You guys just heard the nickname Soup. So that is a wonderful um, onset or a segue into this conversation. Now, no one else that has listened to the Miami Voice has probably ever heard that name before. Most people know me as Pastor Darren. Uh, my, my, my spiritual kids know me as Pop or Dad. Uh, my kids know me as Daddy. But who is Soup? Corey, help the, the listeners as they're listening right now understand what gem you just dropped? Because that's that's deep, right? I I have not even heard that name in almost years. Talk about soup. How did how did the nickname soup uh, evolve and come about? Oh man, the, the nickname soup. <laughs> uh, soup was a uh, soup was a kid that uh, came out to the park and uh, got to know me and Bobby. Rest in peace, Bobby. Um who was very interested in sports. Um, so we put soup, as I call you, and I think Bobby came up with the name, but we put you through several different paces to see 
you know, just how athletic you were and just where you were in the process of uh, possibly making, I think you wanted to play a little football and wanted to wrestle, wanted to do a little bit of everything. Really. Yep. Yep. And, um, I remember Bobby and I said, you know what, let's get, let's, let's get super run. Let's see, you know, how fast he can run. <laughs> and you took off. And when I tell you, me and Bobby was laughing so hard. And uh, I was like, man, this dude hit slow. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So Bobby said, Bobby said, he's slow. He's super slow. <laughs> hey, didn't Bobby beat me running backwards? I think he did. Bobby was running backwards. I was running full throttle with my stride, and Bobby beat me while he was running backwards. Yep. And hence... That's where the name came from. Out of Super Slow, it just we just started calling you Soup. Well, and, now you know there there was a there was a transition period, so it it was Super Duper Slow Mo, right? And, right. And uh, right. and so that's what you called me, and Bobby called me Super Duper Slow Mo, and I didn't like that name. And and he, here's the funny thing, no, you didn't like it at all. <laughs> what what could have been considered bullying now was actually motivation to me back then. Go figure. Right. Because if if two grown men from the park, you know, you guys worked at the park and recreation. That's where we met. Uh, if I would have went home and said, Ma, these two guys are bullying me, calling me super duper slow and, and, you know, creating depression and so forth and so on. Uh, that, that's that's the the culture that we live in today. But but strangely enough, 25 years ago at 13, for whatever reason, I didn't see it as a, a deformation of my character or who I was. I. I had the wisdom to realize that you were doing it for a good purpose because what you and Bobby right. explained to me was if you want that name to change, then change it. Exactly. And that's, and that's when everything shifted. When I started working very hard, you guys were put me through a lot of rigor, a lot of drills. And it was a, it was a showdown. Now we had a few guys like Derek Redding, my brother who ran, they were, they were the dudes that ran the park, man. They they, they beat everybody running. And do you remember the race yeah. that I had with Derek and my brother? We all three of us was on the line, and they had beat the dust out of me months ago. And uh, right. we we then ran off, and I left them in the dust. And that was because you guys trained me. I I remember going to the football field with a rope, a tire, and a weight belt. Right. Yeah. You remember that? Running a, yeah. a hundred yeah. yard yeah. sprints up and down, right, just to get my speed up. And and the thing was. My brother, who, you know, who laughed at me and antagonized me, and Derek, who was one of the fastest at the park, they laughed at me. They didn't see what we was doing. We was making moves on the low. <laughs> yeah, they, didn't, they didn't come out every day like you did. No, man, I was out there, you know, crack of dawn, doing push-ups, dips. I mean, we were getting it. And then, and then I was driving my bike to, uh, to your backyard in, in the waterfront on Saturdays, right? Well, not to cut you off, but I, I, if you don't remember, it, it started before that. The tire and all that, it started before that. Um, I remember you and your brother, amongst other little kids, coming out to the park. Mm -hmm. But um, I think you met me first. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Actually. Because Bobby didn't because, get hired till later. Right. You noticed that um, You noticed that I worked out. You came up to me. I remember I, I remember clear as day. You walked up to me and you said, excuse me, sir, but do you work out? <laughs> So I looked over at you. I said, yeah, I work out. 
And you said, um, well, can I work out with you? Oh, wow. And I looked at you and I said, yeah, you can work out with me. I said, but I'm not coming to pick you up. That's right. That's right. And you said, well, where do you live? Now, now when I told you where I live, I'm going to tell you what I thought during this conversation. I said, when I tell him where I live, he ain't coming. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I, live on the, I live on the waterfront. And for those people who know us. You know, they know where the waterfront is. Yeah, if, you, if, you, about, if you're from Deerfield, you know about the waterfront, and we're going to leave it at that. We're not going to say much more about the waterfront. Right. But um, what, what would you say, about five, ten miles, something like that? Easy. Yeah, from for sure. House. Yeah. So I say, well, if you make it to the house, I'll work out with you. Simple as that. And you said, okay. So I, I, I recall one day I'm at home. And my nieces were at the house, and the doorbell rang. Yeah, yeah. Um, my niece, the car, she came to the room. She's she said, "Unc, this is boy out here, <laughs> won't you?" Yeah. Boy, won't me. <laughs> so I look out the blinds and I see you. I'm like, I almost, I almost slipped. <laughs> yeah. Said, hey, <laughs> this dude, this dude came, he came through. <laughs> I said, no, he rode his bike over here for real. I said, okay. And from there on, it was on. Yeah, yeah. And then I, I just, no. so from that in, from that engagement that we had right there, leading up to you with the tire, I already knew you had it in you. You wasn't going to quit mm. because you was determined for everything you did. And um, with me and Bobby pushing you, you know, it was sky's the limit. And and that's exactly what happened. Like literally, I won the race that day. Left my brother behind. Left Derek behind. I think even Megan was on the line at that time. Megan Megan yeah. Megan Gilmore was another track star, very fast, huge calves for a female, like the biggest calves you've ever seen on a on a woman uh, at that age. And uh, I beat all four of them. And and I think at that point, you and Bobby looked at me and said, okay. The nickname is 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 gone. It's now soup. It's no more super yeah. duper slow mo. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And the re the rest yeah. was history. Man, I was proud of you too. But um, you know, in, in a sense, man, just by you coming out and you putting in that work and a lot of the kids seeing what you were doing with us, you know, believe it or not, you inspired some of the other kids out there. Oh wow. You know, because I recall sometimes they would come in. Hey, can we work out too? Yeah, come on. You know, so yeah, man. Hats off to you, man. You you um you really did the thing, man. You worked out hard, and and I think they kind of taught you a lesson as well. You know, which a lot of kids need to learn. You know, nothing's gonna be handed to you. You just not gonna roll out the bed and here it is. Right. You got to work whatever you want. Come on. And you know. And it, it it didn't stop there. It didn't stop at age thirteen. No, no, no. That that's so that's what I'm saying. We we got we got a long way to go in terms of this conversation. Like I I want to take them on the journey. Like I really want people as they're listening to this to experience our journey as to where it started and why now I'm 39 and I think what are you 52? 53? How old are you now? I'm 51. 51. So 25 years later, and here we are still talking uh, about these memories that we cherish so deeply. So let me, let me ask this question um, for, for, for those that are 
praying about becoming a mentor or want to understand the significance of what a mentor can do. Um, and I think you kind of alluded to it, but what did you see in me that 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 compelled you to say yes, that said, you know what, we're going to we're going to work with this young man, not just at 13 to win a race, but through high school, through wrestling, through athletic. Um, I mean, we 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 rode the glory train, man. Like we we stacked trophies and you all were there. Bobby was there, um, you know, watched me excel in everything I did. What, what was it that that putting you the initial unction to give that yes? Well, for me, I think it kind of, you know, went back to my childhood. You know, I always had like uh, mentors in the neighborhood that was always there for me, whether my brothers or the neighbors or whatever, pushing me. So I was able to, you know, play ball in high school, play basketball in high school. I was able to go along and play basketball in junior college and ended up at a four-year school and finished up. So when I came back home, man, you know, I was able to see a lot. You know, I was in California. I was in Maryland. Uh, you know, with basketball, you do a lot of traveling. Right. Pennsylvania, West Virginia, you know, D.C., you name it. Been been around. So I saw a lot of different things. But I also knew there was kids that were growing up with me that didn't have the opportunity that I had. Mm. But I know they were just as talented as I was. So I always think to myself, man, you know, when I when I came back home, because, you know, I missed out a lot being away right. with my nieces and my nephews. And when I came home, you know, I, I just, you know, said I was going to do whatever I can, man, for some of these kids and try and inspire them to see. It's more than Deerfield Beach. Right. There's more opportunities out there. We can make it out. Whether it's, you know, whether it's in some other state. Don't just put yourself in a box, you know, and say, oh, well, this is all I got. So, you know, that experience of going off and being able to do things. And I just said to myself, man, I'm going to try and help as much as I can. Because not only that, it's not about like, and, you know, I know we talk in sports, but it's not about just you becoming some major athlete and, and, being successful no, or whatever. You, you but coached me in life. Just being successful in life. Yeah. It was beyond no. the athletics for us. It was, it was beyond athletics because we talked about so much, so many other things. Correct. You know, you, you know, you would make mistakes and I would get on you, you know, about, man, what, what are you doing? <laughs> that, yeah. You would, Hey, it would be the sideways. You would turn that head sideways and them, them eyes would bulge at me. <laughs> Right, right. And all I so, would see is that that gold front, just look <laughs> that shiny okay. gold too. What are you, so what are you doing? <laughs> exactly. But it was so many kids, man, that I I would talk to and play around with. But um, man, it was just something. I I will say this: it was something special about you. Your determination, man. It was off the charts. Wow, off the charts because you know it was a you know Shannon would Shannon would be. You know, be with us for a little while, and then he'll lag off. Right. Yeah. Or uh, some other kids at the park, they'll be, you know, they'll work out with us, and they'll lag off. Now, I will say this here: they would always listen to us, though. Yeah. Yeah. You know, they would always they would always listen to us. But man, you were like, oh, even on the weekends, you know, 
you you would pop up to the house <clears throat> even when I you know start having kids yeah and so forth yeah yeah that was your house you know so well you you just said something profound that was that was like my house and 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 I felt that it was like I didn't have uh, any restrictions you know when you when you got married and started <laughs> having kids uh you didn't <clears throat> you didn't disconnect or sever our relationship if anything is strengthened and i just became part of your fold you know what i mean like working out uh you know in the, in the cul-de-sac you know when when you moved over to common highlands sea land um those were the days you know my adult years getting after and so again you you know you you mentored me through some some poor mistakes poor decisions that i'd made and yet you never judged me you never uh you know uh, made me feel less than you always try to inspire me and lift me up and I want to say on record, you know, as we're recording this and for those that are listening to it, um, Corey, I, I just want to thank you, man. And, and I know we've had this conversation and I've thanked you before, but there's an audience that needs to understand uh, the the importance of gratitude. When someone uh, such as yourself takes the time to sacrifice and pour into you, um, gratitude is essential. And, and, and I think that's missing in our culture as well. You know, we have this entitlement factor where we think it's, it's just supposed to be handed to us. And you alluded to that as well. Uh, but it wasn't, and it shouldn't be just handed, but you, you saw something in myself, uh, that, that I, I don't know if I saw in me and you and Bobby were the catalyst to bring it out of me. Uh, and so, man, I just want to say again, publicly, man, I love you. And, and I thank you. And I appreciate you for that. Man, you know, I love you. And, um, man, those days was, they were great, man. And you know what really almost brought me to tears, man. When, um, cause we kind of lost connection right. at one point and, um, I hadn't talked to you in a while and I hadn't talked to Shannon in a while as well, but you know, through Facebook or whatever, when I saw what you guys were doing, that you actually took what I told you. Because I didn't want anything from you. Right. I don't know if you remember, I told you how could, I, I guess one of y'all, I think one of y'all asked me how could y'all, you know, repay me. Go there, go there. I, yes, yes, go there. That was going to be my next, go ahead. My thing was, you know, for you guys to do for someone else what I did for you. Yes. That's all I asked. That's all I would ask. Because if we can get people to continue to do that, like you are mentoring kids and Shannon was mentoring kids and my nephew, I know my nephew, Sean is always mentoring kids, uh, you know, to working them out and stuff like that. If we keep that chain going, man, Real. can you imagine what this book would be? The world would be. Yeah. Yeah. It's a simple you mentality. It's, it, it is, it is simply give back to others. What was given to you. That's it. And they call that pay it forward these days. You know what I'm saying? And, and that that's all you asked. You said, I don't want nothing in return. Just do for others what was done for you. That's all I asked. And that created a yep. legacy. That created a legacy from Shannon, uh, who who is a, a legend at this point in Deerfield. You know, rest in peace, bro. I love you. Miss you. I mean, I can't believe his birthday is going to be in a couple of days now. Um, and that's a whole nother whole nother conversation. But this this man went out there and and took that mantra, that motif, and he went and became not just a deputy sheriff, but he became a, a community police officer, a community leader, uh, giving back to kids that were, um, you know, at risk and, and kids that were marginalized, uh, kids that were um, uh, special needs. 
he he gave bicycles and gift cards and shoes and boat rides. I mean, they looked at Deputy Shannon like he was a hero and he was driven to do that because of what you instilled and imparted into us. Yeah, I mean, again, like I say, when I saw what you guys were doing, uh, it blew me away, man. I, I was so proud. Who would have thought I would be a pastor? Looking back. <laughs> well, I <looked> twice. <laughs> right? But at the end of the day, you know, you, nobody know what their calling is. And I'm glad you chose you chose that route because, I mean, you're touching a lot of lives. and Man, just keep doing what you're doing. Mm. Well, I want to I want to. I wanna... I want to hone in on a on a moment, and again, it just kind of speaks to the significance that you had in my life and the influence that you had. So, this was uh, my eleventh grade year. Uh, it was the Cardinal Gibbons High School Christmas tournament, and uh, it was the semifinals. I was going up against a young man at, from Fort Lauderdale High School named Leslie Toussaint. That lets you know just how uh, vivid the memory is because I'm giving you every detail. Um, and just, just before the match, those of you that are listening, I'm warming up and in walks Corey. Now something, some type of adrenaline shot through my body when I saw Corey walk in. The thing is, Bobby had been with me the entire season, you know, and so it was like this commonality, you know, Bobby was there. He knew what I can do, you know? And so I, I, you know, the Bible says a prophet is without honor except in his own hometown. And so, like, I, I took Bobby for granted in a sense because when it came to the wrestling world, he was always there. But there was something in me that said, oh, snap, Corey's here. <laughs> Cor- Cor- Corey's here. And and I was not. And now, here's the thing. Leslie was in his senior year, and he was slated to win the tournament or at least go to the finals. He was supposed to beat me. Um, right. But uh, I remember getting on that map, man, and... I'm hearing Bobby's voice, but over overwhelming Bobby voice is your voice. <laughs> and uh, and Leslie shot in on a double leg. And I remember him literally being on his knees. If he would have came up with it because he was strong, that would have been it. He would have he would have shot his half and threw me to my back. But instead, I sprawled. I had him in the headlock. And uh, and I heard you say, so turn him, turn him, so <laughs> turn him. And literally. <laughs> Knees in his face, ran him over. They call it a cement job in the wrestling world. And uh, and I took yeah. him to his back. I heard, squeeze, squeeze, let's go, squeeze. And uh, and the referee hit that mat. Man, listen, I, I had went on to do greater things in wrestling than that. But that was a moment for me uh, that stands out among the many wonderful moments and crescendos in the sport of wrestling because you were there. You were there to see it. Right. You were there to experience the fruit of the hard work, you know, yeah, that, that, that NGB HWB, which I'll leave nameless, but that was our code, uh, NGB HWB. And I got, I literally, I have that tattooed on my shoulder to this very day because of, uh, what you and Bobby again poured into us as a commemoration to the, to the work that we've done. Um, and so that, that's the significance of your influence, uh, in my life. And, and, and if you're listening as a mentor, don't do not please do not take for granted your influence on the life of your mentee and and don't take for granted the weight of your words the things that you say to your mentee how you address them and even the way you lovingly chastise and correct them uh and and i think that moment that i just brought us back to 
I, I hope it paints a picture and a beautiful portrait of that level of motivation and influence that Corey had uh, in in my life, man. Do you remember that moment? I, I, I recall it. I, I recall it. Yeah, man, we had so many moments, man. <laughs> it's, I mean, people just don't realize, man, you were literally like, you were, you were, you were really like, uh, you were there every day. Yeah. And I'm not I'm not talking Monday through Friday. I'm talking Saturday and Sunday. Right. But um you know, I think what other mentors have to realize as well, and I just wanna before I forget about this, um you can't treat every kid the same. Mm. Because where we were real hard on you, I don't think we could have had that same level, or I know we couldn't have that same level of toughness on shannon right you what i'm saying um you you would take it and and motivate you and we would get on shannon but we know okay sometimes we have to back off right you know what i'm saying there's a different level of tenacity right every 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 individual is a little different so you got to kind of feel your way around and see okay how far can you take it you know what i'm saying or okay i gotta do it this way with this kid whereas with you Man, we were tough on you. So there's what you're saying is there's no one size fits all mentoring program. No, nah, it's not. No, nah, it's not. Not at all. You know, not at all. You've got to be wise enough to customize your approach to the temperament of the, of the kid. Right. Because at the end of the day, you know, you, we're there to help. You know, you don't want to have this kid down and feeling down because the way you're talking to him or the way you're treating them or, and whatnot, you know, so you got to kind of, it's, and it's the same thing, you know, I coach basketball as well. So, you know, you got to coach every, every kid different as well. So in other so, words, in other words, not every kid can take the super duper slow-mo the way nah, I was able to nah, ingest that. Nah, everybody couldn't take that. Right. Nah. So but you took it and you ran with it. So and kudos to you, man. I appreciate it. So, so let me let me shift gears before we close out because I try, I try to keep this thing in under thirty minutes because you know listeners don't you know after a certain time they they'll check out on us. So I want to keep them captivated. Right, right. So here we are, uh, twenty five years later, and um, you know we still have this connection and we can we can get on the phone and text and talk as if like nothing changed. You know, as if I was still in the backyard working out at the waterfront. <laughs> Or in the cul-de-sac in, in Sealand, um, what what would you attribute to the longevity of our relationship? If you could, if you could think of a few things that that would attribute, like how could a mentor? Because there's some mentors that mentor people for a season, uh, and then there's some mentors that you know I'm here for a lifetime. How could uh, how could a mentor keep that longevity or that that lifetime connection? Like what was our secret sauce? I think the secret sauce for us was just um, I, I, me, myself, that's something that I really wanted to do. I really wanted to mentor. But, you know, I also think that it, it can't be like a one way street. Mm, mm. Because there's a lot of kids that I, I mentored that didn't listen and chose a different path. But um, you listen. You know, and not to say that I gave up on the other ones. I did. You know, I continually talked to them, you know, and I'm, I'm pretty sure 
I can throw out some names that you would know, but I'm not going to do it here. We'll do it privately. Right. But, right. Um, yeah. I mean, it has to, it has to be a two way street. It has to be that, that level of interest has to be with both of us. Cause it's, it's been times I've gotten on, gotten on you and I'm like, ah, I might lose them now, mm. but I'm, I'm, I was always going to keep it real with you. Yeah. You took it. But you know what though? Let me, let me say this here. And I, I don't want to, in this conversation before I say this here. Shouts out to your mother, man. Yeah, yeah. Shouts out to your mother. And um, because here it is, two young men that um, took an interest in both of their kids. And she knew how tough we were on you. Right. But um, she was right there along and, you know, I can remember her picking up the phone, calling me. If she, if something was wrong, she would get up, pick up that phone, and call me. And where would I be? I mentioned that up to the house. I mentioned that in episode one. That's exactly. I, trust me, you built, you building on the stage that we set already. That keep going. I love it. So you know, shots out to you know we called the Mama Soup. Mama Soup. Uh, shots out to Mama Soup for allowing us to become a part of y'all lives, man. Because you know nowadays a lot of parents. You know, it's all about, oh, my kid is right, my kid this, my kid that. But, you know, she allowed us to come in and do what we needed to do to get y'all on track. That is a that is a profound way to land a plane, because you think think about single moms these days. And there's a high percentage, particularly in our urban context, you know, down here in in, in South Florida, uh, I would say, statistically speaking, right in the backyard of, of my church is um, Oblaka. 71%, 71% of the homes, uh, I believe if I'm not mistaken, it's close to 71%, uh, are broken homes, are single parent homes, Corey. And so uh, imagine if all the, those single mothers or even single fathers had the mindset to say, you know what? I, I I don't know how to do this on my own and I, I don't have all the answers. I'm willing to bend and acquiesce to uh, an individual that's willing to take an interest in my child and not portray that my child is always right. Um, but no, I'm I'm willing to even go as far as to allow these men to um, to discipline. Now, again, y'all never did any physical discipline, except for that one time when Bobby, um, he put me in the Marine chokehold because I was fighting. Y'all, I don't know if you remember that. <laughs> <laughs> that like Bobby. <laughs> yeah, man. I, I was fighting at the park and, and next thing you know, I I was I was passed out. I thought somebody else got got me and, and I, I literally woke up in Bobby's arms. Uh <laughs> he's like yeah, so, he said, Soup, you going you, 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 you getting ready to kill him. I had to stop you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I remember that. So that yeah. was the only the only time you guys, you know, enacted physical discipline, but aside from that. Um, it takes a parent to, to be open and vulnerable and willing to say, you know what, I need help. Uh, and if there's an individual that has an interest in my child, I'm going to leverage that. I'm going to lean into it uh, and, and I'm going to I'm going to lunge forward toward it because we need that. And so that and I think that's exactly what your mom did, man. She took, you know, she um, she allowed us to come in and, and and help her with you guys, you know. Because she's that mother figure, but you guys needed that that fatherly figure in your life. Correct. Correct. So, and me and Bobby, we took it and ran with it. You know, we both had kids of our own. Right. You know. 
So well, here, uh, here's here's got, here's the results. Ahead. Here's the results as as I close off. Here's the results of the sacrifice that you and Coach Bobby made. Shannon Santo Bennett, rest in peace. Graduated Deerfield Beach High School. Went on to become a productive citizen in his community. 12 years with the Broward Sheriff's Office. A mentor of all mentors. One who created legacy. And at some point, I believe his name will be on a street corner somewhere. Uh, A street will be named after him uh, remotely close to Deerfield Beach Elementary School uh, because of what he contributed to the community. Myself, I I don't want to toot my own horn, but I'm doing it for the sake of people being able to realize the significance of what you, you and Bobby, what you, you the seed that you sowed uh, 10 years in the Broward Sheriff's office as a, as a detention deputy sheriff uh, left there and went on to enter into full-time ministry. And I was, I was a director of a mentoring ministry uh, for single parent kids and so forth and so on for a few years. And then I became a youth pastor. Uh, and now by God's grace, I'm pastoring a church here in the inner city um, and, and loving and mentoring people, uh, adults and kids, um, because of the contribution that you made in my life and, and it ain't going to stop. And so what, what this is called, Corey, is your fruit is growing on other people's trees. In other words, the seed that you sowed has been watered and is blossoming and you could sit back at 51 years old and look on at what Shannon had accomplished and what I'm going to continue to accomplish until I take my last breath. And you can thank God and say, this was only because I decided to pour into two 13 year old, 14 year old kids from Deerfield beach from a broken home with a mother who was willing to let us leverage their kids. And, and here we are, here is the result. I can't do number. Thank I God for it. I love it. I love it. Well, I love man, you, man. Just, man, I love you too. I love Shannon. Rest in peace. Um, don't stop. That's all I got to say to you. Don't stop. You're doing a wonderful thing, man. And um, if all the listeners out there, just take time and, you know, if you see somebody in need and look like they need some mentoring, just reach out. Just reach out to them. You never know what, what, what um oh I'm lost for words. What um what it what it might mean to that kid. And like you say, that kid may one day pay it forward as well. So I'm proud of you. I'm proud of Shannon. And just keep it up, man. Just keep it up. You're doing a wonderful thing. Thanks, Corey. There you have it. There you have it, Miami Voice family. You uh you just heard it here, season two, episode two. Corey Garner, I would call him the best mentor of all time, the man who created the foundation with which I was able to launch, my brother was able to launch into our adulthood and become the mentors and the men that we become simply because this man took an interest. You can do the same thing. Who will be that next individual that you pray about mentoring? Would you consider it? Would you pray about it? You never know. You might change somebody's life. Well, until next time, we're glad that you tuned in to Miami Voice. We'll be back on with Pastor Steve Williams, who took the baton uh, after uh, a 10-year duration of mentoring from Corey and Bobby. Uh, when I turned 28, from 28 to 38, Steve Williams uh, took the spiritual side of the spectrum 
uh, and, and helped shape me uh, into the pastor that I became. And so that's coming up in uh, the next episode here. Listen, we love you and we're glad that you tuned in. Until next time, this has been the Miami Voice. Be blessed.